Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today I will be chatting with Dr. Michael Stefano about TBI and vision. There is more than meets the eye. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Dr. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, dysautonomia, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today's guest is Dr. Michael Stefano, and he is a neurodevelopmental optometrist practicing at Visual Symptoms Treatment Center in Arlington Heights, Illinois. He received his Bachelor of Science in Biology and his Bachelor of Arts in Italian from Loyola University, Chicago, where he graduated with high honors. He received his Doctor of Optometry degree from Midwestern University Chicago College of Optometry, where he was valedictorian of the school's inaugural class, the founder and president of the university's chapter of College of Optometrists and Vision Development, and a member of the Beta Sigma Kappa Honor Society. He finds gratification in regularly evaluating and rehabilitating patients who strive to return to their normal lives after concussion or stroke, as well as in aiding children who have visual issues affecting their learning. He is a member of the Neurooptometric Rehabilitation Association and the College of Optometrists and Vision Development, as well as the Illinois Optometric Association. He is active in his community, having lectured to neuropsychologists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, chiropractors, and educators. In addition, he belongs to multiple online support groups for those who have suffered a TBI and those with other neurological vision conditions. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Stefano. So happy to have you thank, here. Thank you, Amy. I'm really happy to be here. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm pre- I appreciate you having me on as a guest. Absolutely, and you know, I think vision is such an important topic for anyone, but particularly those who've had a brain injury, because 
I, you know, I've shared my story a lot on this podcast, but I don't know that I've shared as much about the vision component of it. And I kept going to my, my traditional eye doctor and I'm like, something isn't right with my eyes. Like something just felt off. And I've been seeing my eye doctor for about 15 years at that time. And she totally believed in me, but she's like, I don't know how to help you. And she was in a, you know, in some Facebook group with other doctors and neuro-ophthalmologists. And I had, she had sent me to the neuro-ophthalmologist, um, and he found nothing wrong with my eyes, which is Sounds good, familiar. right? Like, I didn't, I didn't have any structural problems with my eyes. Um, but something I've heard still this, I've wasn't heard this at least right. a couple times before. Yeah, I know. I know, right? And I think, you know, those listening, there's going to be a good chunk of people, too, who have experienced this, and they're just told everything's fine. But I was a photographer. Like, I was intimately in tune with my eyes, right? Like, I think I'm a little more in tune than even the average person. And I was like, something's not right. <laughs> so tell me what sets you apart from like your traditional eye doctor and how you would address someone coming to your office with these concerns? Sure, that sounds like a, a great question. So the difference between somebody like myself and somebody who is a traditional optometrist or even an ophthalmologist for that matter is that the emphasis in our practice is not simply on structure, it is mostly on function. Now, I want to clarify that by saying we do care about structure and we want to make sure there is no structural damage present, but after right. that has been eliminated, uh, we go into, into more things. We assess somebody's eye teaming ability. Uh, we assess eye movements. We assess somebody's use of their peripheral vision uh, and not just their central vision, which we use for like reading letters in an eye chart, but our Peripheral vision is what makes a lot of people um, motion sick or dizzy or experience mm. vertigo or lose balance mm -hmm. once there is an injury to the brain. And um, there are several assessments that can be done for that, many of them using uh, different, different kinds of uh, prisms to alter space and see how a person reacts. Um, in terms of eye teaming, uh, a lot of people post-TBI will suffer from something called convergence insufficiency, which means mm -hmm. they have a hard time using their eyes together as a team to pull them inward and focus on something up close. So a lot of the common complaints that I will hear in my practice are that, you know, Dr. DiStefano, uh, reading things gives me a headache or it causes me to see double or I get tired or I feel strange just using a computer or even reading from paper for that matter. Just any sort of up-close work can become very mm -hmm. strenuous and very tiring for somebody uh, post-TBI. And there are a lot of other things as well. Um, the ability to follow a moving target may be extremely difficult. So somebody who was once a professional athlete may not be on their A game anymore. They, a baseball player might not be able to follow the ball as well, or a hockey player may not be able to keep track of the puck so easily. Um, aiming your eyes from one place to another, reading, you may lose 
lose place, have to use your finger to keep yourself on the line and make sure you're not repeating lines or skipping lines. Um, and we use a lot of what I call uh, toys to evaluate stuff like this. Uh, there is a really cool toy that, that we have and some other neuroautometrists have called the Right Eye Eye Tracking Software. Somebody sits in front mm -hmm. of a computer and there's an infrared camera that actually literally tracks your eyes while you're reading a paragraph, while you're watching a little ball move around the screen, either, either sideways or up and down or in circles, and it'll actually play back a little graph, like a little line chart of what your eyes were doing during that task. And the funny thing is, is that if you look at the eye movements of somebody post-TBI, and you look at the eye movements of a child who has a learning problem that is vision-related, you'll see the same jumpy, jerky eye movements and difficulty with eye control in both populations. And you would swear that this 30-year-old hockey player is this, it has the same eye movements as the 8-year-old kid with a visual processing disorder tracking problem. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I just, in hindsight... It's like, I know my eye doctor was doing everything she could to try <laughs> to get me answers, um, you know, and unfortunately, I, I don't think we, well, we might now. There might be a Nora um, optometrist here in the cities, um, but I wish I'd have found someone, right, with, with um, the Nora uh, certifications who would have understood, who probably would have had the right eye or, or some other tool. I mean, I did eventually find my way to functional neurology, but that was almost three years later. Um, and who knows the, the difference that that could have made getting, getting into someone three years sooner, right? It's better late than never, but yes, the, the three, yeah, finding yeah. somebody three years sooner could have made a, a big difference. But it's better to dwell on the, on the positives and realize that you found help and you found a road to recovery rather than to think, oh, if only I had, you know, if I had found help three mm -hmm. years earlier than I did. So now, by any how, chance, Amy, you... okay, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, by any chance, Amy, are you familiar with something called syntonic phototherapy or syntonics mm -hmm. for short? I know, I, I know, I know many brain injury uh, survivors have had uh, success with, with that. What, what was your experience with that, Amy? I haven't, I, I did not have the treatment, but I know what it is. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. You were about yeah. to say something to me. Yeah, I was just going to ask you how you came to working in this space. Like, what led you down this path? Sure, I'd love to. I'd love to talk about that. So, I knew going into optometry school that I wanted to do something besides just regular glasses and contacts and uh, routine eye care. While I have no disrespect for people who do choose that route. For me, it was a little bit uh, boring and repetitive and not so intellectually stimulating. And I wanted to do something that was rewarding. So I looked into a bunch of different specialties and I read about this thing called vision therapy and it sounded very neat. I knew nothing about it. It seemed like you do a lot of fun games and activities with patients, which I know is a, a very 
oversimplified version of what we do. But nevertheless, it does sound fun, and there are games and activities that you you do with your patients, and it, it is a lot of fun that, now that I'm in it. But um, I I ended up shadowing this gentleman by the name of Dr. Dan Press, who at the time was the president of the College of Optometrists in Vision Development. Um, he practices about half an hour from where I grew up. And I shadowed him at his office one day, and I saw what he did, and I saw the difference he was making for a lot of different patients. And patients were having fun. They didn't seem really stressed to see him. And the cool thing is that you get to uh, do something meaningful and build a relationship with your patient. These patients are coming in on a weekly basis. You get to know them. If they're children, you get to know their families or if they're an adult and they bring their significant other, you get to really know them and their family and their situation and get to see the transformation bit by bit over the course of time. And the cool thing is that you're not just teaching somebody to deal with their symptoms. You truly are making somebody better, and this is without medication. This is without surgery. Yeah. You are creating a lasting true um, improvement in somebody's quality of life. And I thought that was so cool and so rewarding. And I must say, I'm blessed that I get to wake up and do this every day. Once I shadowed him, I knew that was it. And I never looked back. Mm-hmm. Um, I also That's amazing. During school. Thank you. And I also worked during school as a, a technician at another practice that's a little bit uh, different from traditional vision therapy practices, but it's called the Mind Eye Institute. And I worked there for two years Mm -hmm. when I was a a student. And uh, that's where I learned about um, something called syntonic optometry and syntonic phototherapy, which is more or less a type of Uh, light therapy that is used to treat a lot of neurological conditions that have uh, effects on people's vision, but also contribute to headaches and dizziness and nausea and these other things. But I I thought it was amazing how even just placing lenses or prisms or colors in front of somebody's eyes, in addition to doing active exercises, can make a difference. And where I work now, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. We get to, we get to see the effects of lenses, prisms, and tints and colors, but also we do active therapy as well. So it's been a nice combination of all my past experiences put into one. And I've got a really nice mentor with me who's been doing this for 40 years. So he's taken me under his wing and he's showing me uh, what else is out there that we could do for people with brain injuries? Yeah, and you mentioned the Mind Eye Institute, and I know a lot of people are familiar with Dr. Deborah Zelensky. Um, she's been on my podcast and my summits numerous times, so um, we oh, all yeah. love her very much. <laughs> and I, I, I have positive things to say about her. She was a good mentor for she was a good mentor for me when I was a student, just as my uh, my my colleague Dr. Neil Margolis, who's my employer now, um, is a mentor for me as as an eye doctor. But uh, uh, if you talk to Dr. Zelinsky again, tell her I said hello, and tell her that <laughs> to thank you for uh, for the the mentorship while I was a student. 
That's awesome. Um, now, I want to back up just a little bit. You mentioned how sure. you get to know your patients because they come in um, for, like, a week-long experience. So do you want to touch on that a little bit? Sure, sure. So uh, they come in They come in for an initial exam, which could be, uh, it could be one day or it could be split up into multiple sessions based based on, uh, one, what kind of testing is needed, but two, also their stamina. A lot of people we recognize can get uh, tired and very symptomatic from some of the testing done at a lot of doctor's offices. So sometimes we break it up. But uh, once we have a treatment plan in place, and if we do recommend some sort of active therapy program, they will work either with myself or with a trained therapist under my direction, and they'll see them uh, or me uh, once per week for 45-minute slots, and they'll also do some of the activities at home. But uh, what I like is that I actually get to do a lot of the therapy myself. I'm not just doing assessments, so I get to see a lot of my patients every single week and get a chance to touch base with them face-to-face and really see the transformation slowly over the course of however many months they're, uh, they're in the, the program. And generally, we reassess them at the 8 to 10 week mark, every 8 to 10 weeks, just to see how they're coming along from an objective standpoint, so repeating some of the tests from the uh, original exam and not just asking, how are you feeling, how's this going? That way we have some objective measurement compared to baseline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's that's surprising to a lot of people, right? Like with neurodoctors or functional neurologists, it's it's not just like a one time or once a week for 10 weeks or it's a it's a much more like intensive program because we really want to get in there and and build that neuroplasticity, right? And You're um, 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. The the shortest um, I've ever seen somebody in one of the programs with me is eight weeks, but I'll say that's not typical after a brain injury. I will say that this this girl she she really bounced back quickly. She was a, a softball player who got hit in the face with a pitch, and she had oof. all the classic all the classic symptoms. She had the light sensitivity, she had the dizziness, she had the headaches, the nausea. Reading was a pain in the butt because she would have things go yeah. double or uh, in and out of focus. Um, but by the time eight weeks had passed, we did a lot of eye teaming work, visual vestibular integration. Uh, we did explore syntonics a little bit. Uh, she had no symptoms after eight weeks, so we weren't going to just keep her in there because a lot of other people were in it. So gave her the, gave her the high five, told her to, uh, <laughs> told her to uh, watch out for those pitches and sent her on her way. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and I think that's what's important for people to understand, too, especially someone listening who's maybe early in their journey. Um, no two brains are the same, right? And no two recoveries are the same. And 100%. what one person, one person can seem to bounce back in, like, a couple days or a couple weeks where sometimes you know, it's years like me it was years <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly yeah. sometimes it's years so even don't, don't, even if you're yeah go ahead yeah i was going to say so don't compare your recovery to someone else's like wow they got better so quick why am i not you know like you have a different injury you you have you know you have a different recovery coming along so 
don't compare yourself to others because that just gets in the way of your own recovery. No, you are so right. There are people who are in vision therapy, physical therapy, vestibular therapy, seeing functional neurologists or chiropractors, and it could still take over a year for, or multiple years for some people. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing anything wrong, but um, depending on the severity of the injury, the person, their age, their other health conditions, there's yeah. so many factors that, that play into this. Mm-hmm. And how many prior concussions you might have had. Like, I didn't really yeah. think I'd oh, ever yeah. had one before, but when I started thinking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that one time I fell off my bike. There's that other time I did this. So, you know, at the time, they didn't seem to affect me, but yet there was still that accumulation. They compound on each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, if somebody has one concussion, they're they're getting a lot better, and then they have a second concussion, they're not not back to where they started, but – oftentimes even worse than where they started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I could think of a gentleman that I saw. He got multiple concussions in the same hockey game. Mm. And, And he was in pretty bad shape. And he played again, and he got additional concussions, and then he got to the point where he had to wear sunglasses indoors or headphones indoors. Um, you know, we're, we're t- waiting to return to play is super important for any of those people who are athletes out there. I know you don't want to disappoint your teams, but at the end of the day, you have to, you have to consider your health and uh, what this means for your life mm-hmm. going forward. Yeah. Yeah, that that second impact syndrome, right? Like, that's a real thing. And if you haven't resolved the first one and you get a second one, it's just that much harder to bounce back. And, I, you know, I, I was just speaking with someone yesterday whose son is now 21, but he had had multiple, multiple hockey concussions. And he's like, you know, hindsight of 2020, right? Like, I went to let my kid play. Because now they're talking that his son probably has CTE, which that's a whole other debate. But, um, you know, it's like I wish parents could truly see, is it really worth letting your kid play hockey or football or soccer, you know, whatever the sport is, um, to have them have these difficulties when they're later in life. So. And I've had this conversation with my wife. We're trying for our first baby right now. And if we have a kid who wants to play hockey or football, I don't want to be the overbearing parent. But at the same time, knowing what I know about brain injuries, mm-hmm. I, can't, I, I, I can't let them do that. I just, I just I can't, I can't bring myself to accept that, knowing that getting hit is inevitably part of the game. Yes. 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 It's not that you and, might get you know, hurt, it's that you probably will probably will get hurt at some point, some point or another. Yes. And you know, it's like, please let my kid be into STEM, right? <laughs> <laughs> let them be a science, math or technology student. <laughs> play play right. golf or something. Yes. Golf. Oh, and I'm not saying that playing sports is bad. I'm not. I'm not one to. I'm not one to to say. I'm to to say that. I mean, there are plenty of sports that have 
lower rates of uh, concussion. I mean, I mean, is it possible in basketball? I mean, it is, but it's less less frequent. I mean, tennis not as much either. Um, golf, <laughs> bowling, the, the non-athletic kind of sports, but um, I, I, but yeah, f- football and hike, hockey, those those are kind of a a, a gray area for me. I'm like, I'd want to stay away from those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, and it is like I understand the benefits of group sports and and athletics, but. You know, you you can get that same experience by being on the debate team or being in golf. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you are 100% right. I wasn't much of an athlete. I played a little bit of volleyball and a little bit of basketball, but uh, not not once. Once I got to high school, I was more social. (laughs) You're you're more athletic than I ever was. I've been golfing for uh, how many? 18 years, but I'm still very excited if I get get a bogey, so there's that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can enjoy golf, too. Um, So, you know, so for someone listening today, you know, what, what advice do you have for someone who's listening and who is struggling with some visual problems? Because, you know, I hear this all the time. Like, people have trouble reading. They don't understand what's causing it. But, like, some of the key phrases are, like, they can't read anymore. They have trouble reading or they have blurry vision when they read. Or, like, they just feel like things are moving when they're standing still. Or what are, what are some of the other common phrases you hear as the doctor? So I hear the vague complaint that things just feel off a lot of the time. But more concrete yeah, things, yeah. Uh, yes. But more, more concrete things, yes. Uh, you, I've heard a lot of people uh, explain that they have a lot of symptoms when they read. But also stores, malls. I have a lot of people mm, tell me I yeah. get I get anxiety or I get dizziness or I get visually overwhelmed when I'm in a place where there are a lot of moving things, a lot of colors, a lot of uh, sometimes open spaces, a lot of movement around them. That could be overwhelming. I have some people who cannot drive on the expressway because it just makes them feel so thrown off that it's not safe. That's a big one, too. Um, there's also another uh, rare visual condu- condition that I am familiar with that uh, I treat a- after, um, sometimes after brain injury, but it can be caused by other things as well. Some people tell me that they see a static kind of sensation in their vision, almost like if you were to turn the TV to the wrong channel and you see these little dots everywhere. That's something called mm. visual snow. That's something called visual snow syndrome, and I have seen a number of patients with that kind of complaint as well. And I've had a few people who say, I don't know if you have any idea what I'm talking about, but I have this. I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about because it's something that's linked to brain injuries, not just brain injuries, but like I said, other things too. But um, I want these people to know that you are not making this up and this is not all in your head. And I want you to feel validated. Um, if there's anybody out there who is experiencing these things, um, I would be happy to provide a resource to find, hopefully, 
a neurooptometrist near your home so that you can get at the very least evaluated and see if there is a visual component to these these issues that you're experiencing. Um, and we could discuss that at length at, at the end if you uh, if you want me to lay that all out, contact information and ways to uh, find somebody. Yeah, no, that would be great. So your website is visualsymptomstreatmentcenter.com. And for anyone listening, wherever you're listening to the podcast, we have the clickable link in the show notes. Um, so how else can someone get hold of you if they want more information? Sure. So you can email me directly. Uh, my Email address is doctor, so that's just abbreviation DR, and then my last name, D Stefano, D E S T E F A N O O D, which is um, my degree, at gmail.com. So doctor D Stefano O D at gmail.com. Anybody can reach out. Um, I'm also pretty active on Facebook as well. You can find me by going to facebook.com slash one Mike D Stefano. And my last name, again, is spelled D-E-S-T-E-F-A-N-O. That should take you directly to my profile. It should be a picture of me and my wife together. If you have the, the right ones, there are a few Mike these definitely on Facebook. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This has been such a great conversation, very important conversation. Again, you know, like pretty much everyone I meet has – some form of visual dysfunction. And, you know, it is. It's hard to articulate what is, what, what is happening when you don't have the vocabulary, right? Like, I don't know what this sensation is, but um, you get to the right doctor and they can tease through those words and figure it out for you. So um, thank you so much. I do want to – can I add one more thing, Amy? Yes. Yes. I want I want a lot of pe- I want a lot of people to know that you can have 20/20 vision and still have a visual problem. It does not mean yes. that you can't see clearly. And also just because you have 20/20 vision does not mean that glasses cannot help you. Glasses do a lot of things besides mm-hmm. just make things blurry or make things yes. clear. I discussed in the very beginning part of today's segment that um, lenses and prisms have an effect on your peripheral vision, and they can, they can help reduce headaches. They can help reduce or eliminate vertigo, motion sensitivity, help balance, and I think at the very least, if you think that you may be experiencing some of these symptoms, it's at least worth getting evaluated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So anyone listening, reach out to Dr. Stefano um, and definitely connect with him, and I know he'll take great care of you. So thank you again so much for thank being you, here. Amy. This has been a great conversation. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just another big thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. Find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. And, again, you can find previous podcast episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes or Spotify, or you can find them directly at facesoftbi.com. 
And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also remember to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it for just $5 a month with a Patreon membership. That's patreon.com slash Amy Zellmer. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you in the next episode.